fit in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eyes, the lamp of your body, when your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, today's message is called Healthy Eyes, and it might be a message that seems kind of obvious, but I think it's sometimes these simple truths that sometimes we have to return to to help us to go deeper with, with, with God. That's a lot of what we've been talking about this year. And the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about love and regaining our first love and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, if we need to simplify our lives, maybe, you know, do fewer things so that we can spend that time with Christ, that it's worth it. That's going to be what changes everything. And so the question is, do we even have eyes to see? How are your eyes? I, see, I look around, and I know some of us, we have glasses. Some of us, we have contacts, you know. Uh, so, some people maybe need contacts or need glasses, and, and we, we, we don't want to wear them, you know. And so we go through life, and we're squinting, or we have trouble seeing, you know, the blackboard if we're in school. or well, They probably don't call it a blackboard anymore. They used to call it blackboard because it's chalk, you know, whiteboard, you know, <laughs> the screen, whatever. Uh, you know, maybe for some of us, we have a hard time seeing things clearly, and you know, in this passage, there is this emphasis on healthy eyes. And so I want to read the passage for us again. And I want us to kind of pay attention to what Jesus is saying about our eyes, about our vision. And I want to challenge you. So we're going to read it. And then I'm going to suggest that when we think about vision, when we think about, you know, how we look, how we see, that uh, uh, there's something that Jesus wants to emphasize but I don't think it's what we emphasize. I think we emphasize something else. And so we'll get to that in a moment, but let's look at it again. So it says, no one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. So we want to see the light. We want to see Jesus. We want to see clearly, right? We want to see the truth. We want to see life as God intends it. And it says, your eye is the lamp of your body. Right? So the eye is what lights up the rest of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. So, friends, um, I, I mentioned this because I think for me growing up, the emphasis was not on how I see. The emphasis was always on what I see. So, for instance, you know, as like a teenage boy, I would sometimes get youth pastors and say, don't look at bad stuff. Now, probably most of you know what those things are. Right? They'd be like, hey, be careful about what is coming into your eyes. Be careful about what you're watching, right? What you're watching on those apps, what kind of movies, what kind of shows, right? You know, how, how you look at people, the kind of people that you're looking at, right? You know, for a guy, it was like, always like, hey, be careful how you look at girls, right? Be careful, let, let, right? So, so maybe sometimes there's something you're like, oh, and you got to like avert your eyes. And, you know, so again, the emphasis was always about 
what you see. But if you look at the passage, right, it says the eyes of the lamp, or the lamp of your body, when your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light, right? It's not talking about what you see as much as it's talking about how you see, the health of your eyes in general, right? And so that's what we want to talk about today, right? And so, friends, I think that sometimes, even as Christians, we don't emphasize how we see as much, right? And there, there is something that Jesus is talking about where if we can change how we see a thing, it could light up your whole life, your whole soul, your whole body, right? And so, friends, I want to talk about uh, three different ways of seeing. There's probably more, but three different ways of seeing. And I heard this from, uh, 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 well, I, I was listening to a podcast uh, but it was, uh, this information came from uh, a Franciscan friar, Richard Rohr. I've talked about him before. Uh, but he talks about these three different kinds of seeing. And they all start with the letter G, right? Kind of helpfully, right? And so I want you to kind of see yourself in this. How do you see the world? So the first G is glare, right? So what is a glare? Well, I try to find an example <laughs> of what a glare looks like. And... You know, glaring at things, it's kind of like you're looking at it and you're judging it, right? You're looking at it and you're kind of taking it apart. Or you're trying to understand it. You're trying to size it up, right? And maybe, you know, let's be honest. If someone glares at you, it's probably not the most friendly thing, right? Like they're trying to figure out, are you a threat? You know, what's wrong with you? I don't like your face, <laughs> you know? Something like that. When someone glares, right, it's kind of like a narrowing of the eyes and you know, they see you from a particular lens, and that lens is probably not very pleasant because it, it just feels like you're being judged, right? But friends, how often do we look at the world and we glare at it? We're, we're, we're looking at this thing and we're trying to figure it out and we're trying to understand it. We're trying to pick it apart. And, and, and so that's one way to look at the world. It's not the only way, right? But it is a very common way. And I have to be honest, I think a lot of Christians glare. You ever walk into a church and you get glared at? Does it feel good when everyone's glaring at you? Some of you, man, I, I can see it on your faces. You don't like it, right? I mean, Christ followers who are supposed to show love, right? And, and, and grace and, you know, humility. A lot of that isn't conf- conveyed by a glare. But let's go on to the second way of looking. The second way of looking is the glance, Right? And this is a, a very common way of looking at the world, too, where it's just kind of like, you know, you, you notice things, but you're not really looking at it carefully, right? But you, you just kind of go through life, and, you know, just things are there, right? And oftentimes, this will happen when we are distracted, you know? And so I, I, I put a picture of somebody, you know, with a cup of coffee in one hand, phone in the other hand, and they're kind of like not really looking at the world, but maybe every once in a while, th- th- this gentleman would like look up from, from his phone and just kind of like notice like, oh, hey, I'm not walking in traffic, right? You know, I'm safe. You know, I didn't bump into anyone. But there are times, man, where even if someone isn't distracted by their phone, where it's like they're not really looking. You, you ever do this thing where you're walking down the sidewalk and someone's like walking towards you and they're totally not looking? And for me, I have this thing where, I just kind of feel like in America, you're supposed to walk on the right side of the, the, 
you know, wherever you are, the road, the sidewalk, you know? And it kind of bothers me when people aren't. So if I'm on the right side of the road as like a good rule follower, you know, I'm like, hey man, this is where I'm walking and you should walk on that side. And when someone's like not paying attention, again, they could be on their phone or whatever. Like I'll kind of like keep going. I'm not going to like get out of your way, right? Like on the right side. I'm walking here, you know? (laughs) And so, you know, there are times where like someone is like, like, again, they may not be on their phone, but they're, like, not all there, right? They're, like, somewhere else. And so I'm almost, like, I'm trying to make eye contact, like, see me, look at me, look at me, and, and, and they just keep walking. And then it's not until the last moment that they're, like, oh, oh, excuse me, right? And it's all awkward, and sometimes you do that thing where you both go in the same direction, you know? Oh, oh, oh you got to juke them out, you get a spin move, you know? And it, it's kind of like, are you, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? What's going on there? What's going on there when people aren't really seeing the world? They're just not there. What's happening? Probably you are in your mind. Are there times, like, at least for me, like, I, I like to walk my dog. And there are times where I'll walk my dog, and it's a very familiar route. We walk down the street, right? Like, we go in front of about five houses, get to the fifth house, and there's a German shepherd that's inside that house. So we don't go all the way up because the German shepherd, if it hears my dog, it'll go nuts. It's usually about 6.45 in the morning when I walk my dog in the morning. I don't want that German shepherd waking up the whole neighborhood. So I know to get to that house, and we turn around and we go back. And there's some times where I'm like, did my dog even poop? I don't remember. Did I pick it up? Did I throw it away? Where was I? I don't even remember what I saw around me. Is there ever a moment where you just kind of wake up and you just kind of snap out of it and you're like, dude, where am I? What's going on, friends? We're not looking at the word. We're glancing at it, right? We're not fully present because we are so focused on this internal world. We're we're so occupied by our mind. Our mind is chewing everything. It is taking up all of our bandwidth that we can't even see anymore, right? And so, you know, it could be like, oh, my gosh, like, what am I going to do? Like, oh, I got the test today. Oh, you know, I, I need to apply for that internship, but I think the deadline passed. Did the deadline pass? I don't know if the deadline passed. And so, like, right, your best friend could come up in front of you and be like, hey, you know, and, and you could just miss them. I don't know, right? And you're not looking at the world. We're just glancing at it, right? And then there's a third way to look at the world, and this is where, I think this is what Jesus is talking about, the gaze, right? Now, the gaze is so intimate in some ways. I mean, you think about how you look at people. Have you ever gazed at someone? Now, okay, I want to assume that that gaze is wanted. (laughs) But if two people gaze at each other, right? So, like, like, if you gazed at, you know, Maybe some of you, you know, you, you see someone that they're just, they're just really beautiful. You know, like, man, God, God did a good job. You know, God did a good job that day. And, and, and you gaze at them. What does that look like? Is it different than a glare and a glance? Right? Because the glare is, what's wrong with your nose? You know, that, that's the glare, right? The glance is, oh, human being, right? And you just move on, right? The gaze is, oh. Yeah. Mm. Okay, all right, is it getting uncomfortable? I was like staring out in the distance. I wasn't looking at anyone, all right, just, just to be fair, right? But, 
But friends, can you imagine, right? Like, like, okay, that got a little weird the way I did it. I apologize. I apologize. I would, I would do it different. But can you imagine, like, like your parents gazing at you, just looking at you? And I remember my mom used to gaze at me, and I'd be like, Mom, what are you looking at? She's like, oh, nothing, nothing. She's smiling, and I'm like, why are you smiling? It's like, I, I, just, I just like looking at you. And I didn't get it. I'm like, cut it out, right? Mom, right? Like, I get like all like, I'm, 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 I'm a grown man, you know? And she's like, dude, I just like enjoying you because you're, you're my son, right? And my, my mom used to say this thing. She's like, how come you're so cute? And I was like, I don't know. I was born that way, you know? And, and she, she likes to tell this story to, like, my wife. I'm like, mom, mom cut, cut it out. Stop. But this is what parents do. This is what lovers do. This is what... I see it, because one of my favorite things as a pastor is doing uh, weddings, and, and, and when the groom is like up there, and they're waiting for the bride, and the bride comes down, and, and sometimes they're just so nervous, right? They're just like, uh, shake father-in-law's hand, and you know, but sometimes there's this moment where they look at their bride, and I've seen it, man, I've seen it so many times, where the groom will just burst out into tears, did you not know what she looked like? What's happening? Are you like, I can't believe she's marrying me? That could be it. That, that legit could be it. Or could it be that we just don't gaze enough? And there's something about the gaze when you see the person. I mean, it, it just touches something deep within you. Right? Now, friends, I'm talking about things that are so... You know, we, we understand that. The gaze of a, a parent, the gaze of a lover, the gaze of a, a bride or a groom, right? And, and we also understand, like, the, the example that I used, the picture, is of someone gazing at nature, right? And there are times where we see something, and it's so beautiful that it just kind of, like, breaks your heart almost, or you're just, like, so enraptured by it. You know, you, you almost can't move. You're like, oh, my gosh, look at that sunset. You know, and, and there was this moment, uh, this was years ago, we went to uh, Mexico to do, uh, 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 to help build houses, and it was something uh, through Homes of Hope, uh, that, that it's a ministry of YWAM, of Youth with a Mission, and we were there, and it was like basically right on the ocean for the most part, like, so we weren't like on the beach per se, but where the mission base was, is that there was like, 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 like kind of a, a, an overlook where you could look at the ocean, and every day you would see the sunset over the ocean, and the sun would kind of like melt into the sea, it looked like it, and, and the sea is just like, it would just be washed in oranges and yellows and reds, it's so beautiful. And every day around the sunset was the time that we were having our debrief meetings. And, and everyone in the group would get anxious, and I'm like, hey, so where did you see God today? And yeah, another thing to keep in mind, and they're all like, Pastor Steve, uh, hurry it up, man. We want to see the sunset. I was like, all right, all right, fine. Let's go see the sunset. And we go there, and everyone's like, wow, like, so beautiful. They're gazing at it, right? Not glancing at it. They're not glaring at it. They're like, why is it so bright? No, they're like, they're just enjoying it, right? And I had to do this thing 
where, you know, I don't think I would do this anymore. I'd hope I wouldn't. But I kind of like ruined the moment a little bit. I had to be Pastor Steve instead of just enjoying it and just, just, just shut up, man. Just, just enjoy it, you know. But I had to be like, you know, guys, every day, even in Michigan, the sun sets. It's just that you're not looking. And they're like, oh, yeah, great, Pastor Steve. Like, be quiet, man. Just enjoy it, you know. But it's true. It's true, right? Okay, you know, I didn't need to say it so obnoxiously, but it's true. Every day the sun sets, and we don't notice it, right? Have you noticed, like, maybe some of you guys are like, well, Pastor Steve, yeah, if you see, like, a beautiful person, or you see your child, or if you see nature that's so beautiful, then, of course, it's easy to gaze at, but we live in Michigan, We go to school in Michigan, right? What is there to gaze at? There's no ocean here, you know? And have you ever noticed, friends, like after it snows, how beautiful it is? Let's just do this exercise. Can you glare at the snow? (laughs) You absolutely can. You wake up in the morning, you got to go to work, right? Or you got to go walk to class, and you're looking at a sheet of ice outside of your door, and you're just like, You're glaring at it, and you're like, oh, no. Or for those of you who have to shovel the the, the driveway, you're just like, oh, my gosh, that's going to be so much work. You're glaring at it, right? And then there could be glancing at it, right? You're you're, you're driving to work. You're you're, you're just so used to snow, Um, and and, and you you don't even notice it anymore. I I used to tell this story, and and this is true. My roommate in in college, uh, so I went to Case Western Reserve University, It's in Cleveland, and they get lots of snow there, right? It's right by Lake Erie. We get the lake effect snow. Tons and tons of snow. One year, it snowed five feet. Uh, Yeah, that that was not cool. But anyways, (laughs) uh, so my roommate was from Texas, and he had literally never seen snow before. The first time that it snowed, he ran outside, and he's just spinning around like a little kid, and he's laughing, he's trying to catch the snowflakes. He's like, ah, you know, and he's like yelling because it's just so magical, right? And I'm sure he is gazing at the snow as it's coming down. It's twinkling, right? So beautiful. And about a month passes, he's like, dude, does it ever stop? (laughs) And for a lot of us, right, that's just what it is. It just is what it is. I mean, if you had seen snow for the first time, it would be magical. You would enjoy it. But for many of us, we, we just glance at it, right? It's just another thing, right? And so, friends, there's so many things like this, right? You know, why is the gaze important? What are we talking about here? Because when it talks in Scripture... It's really talking about this idea of how you see it. So I want to go back real quick to the scripture, right? No one lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light, okay? So we see this idea of light. And if you guys have grown up in the church, and if you are a part of any children's ministry, We all think of this light as being one thing. What? It's Jesus, right? It's the presence of God, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? You guys, it's it's the, the light of Christ, right? 
But if you look at it, then it goes to what we read before. Your eye is the lamp of your body. So there's a light out there, right? And it is Christ. It is the presence of God. Where is it? Where is God? Where is the presence of God? Is it in San Diego when you see the sun melting into the ocean? Absolutely. Is it when you see the face of your child for the first time? And you're like, oh my gosh, this is a miracle in front of me. I have never seen someone so beautiful. And and it fills your, your eyes with tears to look at them. Of course, of course it's in that moment. Is it when you see a first snowfall? Is it when you're walking back from someone just saying that they don't want to be with you anymore? Is it when you get rejected from that school that you want to get into, that internship, or that job, where they say, you know, it's just not a good fit? Is it when you get devastating news, you get that phone call from your parents, and they tell you about your uncle or your grandparent, and about the terminal diagnosis? Is it there? Is the presence of God there? Is the light there? Well, of course. Is it when you are so caught up in your drama, in all the stuff in life that you don't see anything else? You get tunnel vision. In fact, a car almost hits you because you're not looking. Because all you're focused on is what's inside of here. Is it when you are in depression, you are in the depths of your own depression, of this idea where you feel like there's no light, you feel like there's no hope, you feel like you are not lovable, you feel like your whole life is a screw-up, and you feel like nothing will ever get better, is it there? Wherever you are, wherever you may be, wherever your, your, your foot hits the pavement, is the presence of God there? Yes. Yes, the light of Christ is there. What is the issue? It's our eyes. We can't see it. Our eyes are not healthy. The eyes are the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. Why? Why is your whole body full of light? Because you can see the light of Christ. Because you can see the presence of God around you. And all you got to do is open your eyes and really look. But many of us, we don't know how to do that. So friends, let me suggest that in these other things, when we glare, when we glance, it's you're looking at something, but you're not looking at the presence of God. What are you looking at? Well, in some cases, you're looking at your own mind. You're looking at things through the lens of an ego that is trying to dominate and trying to pick apart and trying to make sure that you're the one who ends up on top. You're trying to control things and plan things and scheme and all of these things. How how do I take you apart, right? Rather than seeing the world as it is and just letting it unfold. Remember what we've talked about this entire year. (laughs) Basically, if you've been a part of LGM for a while, you understand, you know that Jesus' central message is the kingdom of God is at hand. 
Whose kingdom? Is it my kingdom? Is it me trying to control everything and look at it and plan and plot and figure it out? Is it me just so caught up in my mind because I'm like, oh, man, I, got, I, like, like I, I just need to, you know, untangle whatever is in my mind? Or is it understanding? It's already happening. The kingdom is in breaking into this world. The beauty of God is all around you. God's will cannot be thwarted. But I could miss all of that because I'm just in here all the time, right? And so the gaze, when you gaze at something, you know, great art does this, great beauty does this, nature does this, a child does this. You know, there are these moments, even great sorrow can do this. Do you see someone whose heart is breaking This can happen, right? You see something really sad, this can happen. It breaks you out. It wakes you up. It makes you open your eyes, and it gets you out of your head, right? When you're gazing at someone you love, when you're gazing at great beauty, hopefully you're not overthinking it. Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, what do I do? What do I say, right? It kind of ruins the moment. But if you can just look at that thing and just enjoy it, there's nothing to analyze, nothing to figure out. You just receive it. Receive it as a gift. That's how we enjoy the presence of God around us. Right? And so, friends, I I do know that there are times where you can't just gaze all the time. Right? You definitely have to do things. Right? Sometimes you got to get down to it. you got to do your work. Right? So I'm not promoting that we just all walk around and just all the time. Right? But, friends, i got to tell you, I do think more of us, man, the way we live this life, it's just like we're sleepwalking, right? We got to wake up. Do you ever go through a whole week and you don't even know what you did that week? You don't remember. You don't remember what you ate. You, you don't remember, like, like, what happened to you. Sometimes you remember the emotions, you know, we meet and we talk and you go to small group or you share with somebody. Like, how was your week? And most of us give a generic answer. But sometimes we just give a one-word answer because we, we don't even really know. We were sleepwalking. We have some impression. Oh, yeah, I think it was kind of good. I, I'm, I'm, like, tired now, you know? So I guess it was good. But, man, are we really looking? Are we really awake for our own lives? And the fact that God is there with you makes it all bearable. Part of the reason why you glare is because you're trying to fight reality. You're trying to make reality fit the way that you want it to be. The reason why you glance is because you don't want to look at reality. Reality is too hard. Reality is too difficult. You don't know how to control it. So you'd rather think about something else. And so you're just distracted and you live your life as if what's right in front of you isn't all that important or you just don't want to face it at all, right? It's like the kid who doesn't want to listen to their parents and they put in the AirPods, right? And they just tune out the world. Or, the, or, or you know, whenever you feel awkward, you don't want to look at the situation. You want to face the awkwardness, so you just look at a screen. That's all we're doing. We're just glancing at reality instead of really looking at it. But the gaze is, there's a great trust in that. I can show up. I can be present. I can face reality. 
And I don't need to figure it out. I don't need to have everything under control. I can trust that God will do that. I've shared this story before, but one of the things that used to make me really anxious when I, I was learning this rhythm of being in nature. They say being in nature is uh, a really wonderful thing for your mental health, uh, for your spiritual health. They say that if you could bottle 20 minutes of nature and and you could make that a pill, it would be the most effective anti-anxiety and anti-depression medicine we would ever have. You could just spend 20 minutes in nature every day. So I started trying to do it. I would go to the park and I'd walk around. And this one park, the one that was closest to my house, was right by 23. You could hear 23. You could hear cars zipping by. And, and it's Lily Park, and it's it kind of like, like the part in Lily Park that I would walk in. Uh, it's this bowl where basically um, the, the park is recessed from the, the main road. So you can't see the road, but you can hear the road. And it's almost like all the sound of the road it just comes into that bowl. And I would walk around, and I couldn't see the world, but I could hear it. I could hear all the cars, bah, 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 and I could hear, and I used to think to myself, I'm like, oh, the world is zipping by me, right? It is racing by me. I'm just sitting here, just walking around like an idiot. You know, what am I doing? It used to make me anxious, but the more I would walk around, the more I realized, you know, and all these sounds going on around me, I'm like, huh, the world is going by me. The world is continuing to spin. God is taking care of it. And all these things are happening, whether I'm in it or not. I can just trust. In this moment, I can be unhooked from that and just enjoy the presence of God. Just trust that God's going to take care of the rest. Right? But your minds won't let you believe that. Oh, come on. We've got to get busy. We've got, we, we got to do something. Come on, come on. Go, go, go. Do, do, do. Earn, earn, earn. Be effective. Be productive. Let's go. And the gaze is different. The gaze is, I can just be in this moment. And I can just enjoy whatever God puts in front of me. I don't need to control anything. God's got it. Seek first the kingdom of God. And his rightness, being right. And being right means you understand who's in control. Your heart knows it. Your body believes it. And your nervous system falls in line. You're not all, I got to do something. I can trust that God's got this moment. And everything else will be added unto you. Friends, um, I was going to read this Matthew 6 passage, but I think you know it, right? It's the one where it talks about, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, right? It says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. I I love that it says, look. Look at the birds of the air. Gaze at them. Consider them. Consider the lilies of the field, how they neither toil nor spin. And yet, there has never been a a living thing as gloriously clothed as those. Not even Solomon in all of his glory was arrayed like one of these. Oh, you of little faith, right? Don't, Don't you know that you are worth more than those? 
in the kingdom of God, you have a father who literally gave his son to die for you. The great exchange. There's nothing that's more valuable. Can you imagine how valuable you are to the father that he would give his son for you? And you think he's going to abandon you? You think that this world is going to fall apart if you're not managing everything? No, you can trust in this God. Your heart can be at rest. You can be non-anxious and walk around this world and truly know that and enjoy each and every moment that you have with the Father. So friends, we're going to go into this time of communion. And as we do that, I just want to remind you of what it's all about. What all of this is about. Am I just telling you, you know, hey, gaze at things more so that you can enjoy it. Well, I mean, that's good, right? But it's more than that. What are we trying to do, friends? We are trying to bring the light of the world to the world. And we're also trying to bring the light of the world into us too. It's something we call communion. We are trying to be one with God. You will be the most effective. Friends, don't get me wrong. When I talk like this, I'm not saying that you're not going to do stuff. I'm not saying you will never be effective. I'm not saying you will never be productive. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you will never be more productive than when you are united with Christ. Amen? So we got to learn a different way of seeing. We have to learn a different way of being. We have to learn a different way of, of walking through this world Right? Rather than the way that everyone else walks through it. They're running away from something. They're running towards something. They're fighting something. They're trying to control something. Instead of saying, God, first and foremost, I don't need to fight anything because you have already fought. (laughs) You've already conquered. You've already won. And I can trust that. And I know that you are in control. I need to believe that in my soul. I need to feel that in my body. And when I then am asked to act in this world, to do things for you, to serve, then I'm going to do it from a completely different way of seeing, a different kind of energy, right? A a, a different kind of, of, of spirit is going to guide me in that. I can truly love without this fear, right? And so, friends, we are told that when Jesus went to the cross, well, right before it, he shared one last meal with his friends. And some of these friends, I mean, you know, he said, I'm your friend, and yet some of them would betray him. Some of them would lose faith. And yet Jesus shared this meal, this gracious meal. And he broke bread. We believe that this bread represented his body. His body, which was broken for us on the cross. And at some point during that meal, he took the cup. This is the cup of the new covenant, the blood of Jesus, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. We did nothing to earn this, and yet we are told to receive this. And whenever Christ followers gather, we are told to do this in remembrance of him. And so, friends, let, let, us, um, let us pray that this cup, that this bread, become to us the very body and blood of Christ. God, we thank you so much for this gift of bread and cup. May it become to us the body and blood of Christ. That we know, Lord, that you want our lives to be united with yours. That you have given 
everything, God, so that we could be with you. God, we just need to receive it. So we thank you, God, for this gift. We thank you, God, for this love. We thank you, God, for this grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So friends, we're going to go into this time of communion. If you're joining us from home, um, you're joining us online, if you could take uh, whatever bread or food that you have prepared. This is the body of Christ which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of him. And take the drink. This is the blood of Christ which is shed for you and for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. So friends, if you're joining us here in person, I want to encourage you to come up um, as you feel comfortable. Just a reminder that um, in the United Methodist Church, we practice something called open communion. What that means is that everyone is welcome to come to the table. You don't have to be baptized in the church. Um, There's nothing we did to earn coming here. We believe that it's an absolute gift. What earns you the right to come to this table is what Jesus did for you on the cross. And so everyone is welcome as you are willing. And so when you guys come up, you guys can uh, uh, form like two lines and just come up, you know, and and I'm just going to say to you, this is the body and blood of Christ given for you. Then you can go to your respective sides and take uh, the the bread and the cup and go back to your seats, go around uh, and, um, and enjoy. Remember all that Christ has done for you. And so friends, come and take up these elements.